Well, today is a special day. We have a new leader and a new speaker as part of our teaching team. So instead of being just like a normal transition, I just wanted to give him a little intro. Just for your first day. Don't get used to it. You're not going to get this every day, Jason. He's going to be telling us more about his role here during his message, so I'm going to stick to the unimportant facts, all right? Uh, Jason stands around 5'10 to 6'1. It's hard to tell because he slouches a lot. Uh, if I had to guess his weight, I would say 185, but he likes fried chicken for like two out of three meals a day, so could be more. I don't know. He loves to golf. Although uh, he's really coming over the top with his irons, and I'm beating him right now, so I hope that continues. Uh, he watches the Atlanta Braves as much as possible. He pretty much exclusively wears Under Armour clothes. I think he has a secret contract with them somehow. He must protect this house. He was on our student staff here for several years uh, after college uh, at Cedarville, and then he started Summit Church, where he's been for the last 15. Uh, he's a wonderful encourager of others behind the scenes and his his quick little jokes they still crack me up like when we were college roommates young men so let's make him feel welcome and appreciated mr jason malone here uh, hey, hey. thank you very kind very kind i'm glad we work together matt now again i'll i'll get you back uh, current stats though a six one and a half i do have scoliosis lower doses all the doci and um 192. Uh, you know, when you get a little older, your metabolism starts slowing down and you don't want to drink your calories. So I've cut out all sweet tea, carbonated beverages uh, so that I can keep eating the fried chicken. So there's a few things I'm working on. That's enough about me. Good morning, everyone. If you are a guest with us here, uh, either in person or online, thank you so much for being our guest. We're honored that you would spend time with us. Uh, there are a lot of great churches in the upstate of South Carolina. And when I say that, I mean there are other churches that desire what we desire here at Fellowship Greenville, to make much of Jesus and proclaim the life-transforming hope found in the gospel. And I say that to say this, the fact that you would be our guest today, we don't take that for granted. So thank you so much for being here. I also make that statement to remind all of us that this is our home that there are other gospel-centered churches here right around us that we're partnering with, and I'm incredibly thankful for that. If you are a guest, stop by our Connection Center. As you leave today, there'll be some friendly folks there that would love to meet you, meet your family. There's also a QR code, as the kids say, on the seat in front of you, and you can scan that. It'll take you to a guest card that you could also fill out, but thanks for, thanks for doing that today. As Matt mentioned, Jason Malone is my name. I serve as the vision and spiritual formation pastor here at Fellowship, and by serve here, I mean I've been here for about 13 days. Now, I did actually, and Matt alluded to this, I grew up here. I started going to church here when I was in the sixth grade, and I was involved in our student ministry, which I loved, and then I went off to Cedarville with Matt. Someone came up after the first service, and like, you guys really have known each other that long? We've been best friends since middle school, roomed together all four years. Uh, at Cedarville University, uh, best men in each other's weddings, married two weeks apart. Matt and Whitney just celebrated their uh, wedding anniversary uh, on August the 19th. And if you'll just pause for just a second, she's uh, seated in the front row. A happy anniversary to you and Matt. Really, great to go, way to go. I forgot, actually, I actually forgot. That's the reason I'm doing this right now. I totally forgot, and then Matt and I were golfing on Friday, and he like made this comment. I was like, oh, your anniversary was yesterday? I totally missed it. And as a lot of you know, because he's talked about it, 
my wife and I got married on his birthday. Thus, I don't forget his birthday nor my anniversary, which was really smart on my part. And then there was nothing to, to help me remember yours. So happy anniversary uh, to you. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then I had the opportunity over the last 15 years to be involved uh, with Summit Church, uh, planting and, and leading there. Incredibly thankful for that opportunity. And in the Lord's uh, kindness and grace and sovereign plan, I'm back at Fellowship, where it has been a joy to see so many familiar faces and an encouragement to see so many new ones. Um, as some of you are aware, the announcement of my returning along with the exciting news that Summit Church and Fellowship Greenville are strategically partnering together to launch the Upstate Church Collective. All of that was announced by Charlie here this past spring on a Sunday morning in April. But some of you uh, were not there that Sunday and you didn't go back and listen to the message. And the reason I know this is because uh, on a daily basis, I and Matt and others get the question, uh, What's, what's Jason doing? Like exactly what is going on? And then we usually look back at the person that asks us that question and then we say, uh, well, did you listen to Charlie's message from April the 18th? And then they say, no. And then we say, sorry, can't help you. Uh, kidding, that's not what we say. What we do say though is don't worry, on August the 22nd, Jason's gonna be talking a little bit about that. And so welcome to August 22nd. I am thankful for the opportunity to talk a bit about what I'm gonna be doing here at Fellowship but as I was thinking about it and praying towards this day, I thought that in order to effectively talk about what I'm doing here, I actually wanted to take time to talk about Fellowship Greenville. You see, this uh, transition of me coming on staff here is not because I was interested in doing something new, was bored with what I was doing, and it's not, believe it or not, because Charlie and Matt just missed me and wanted to see me every day. They wanted me to be around a little bit more, although I think secretly they did a little bit, which is totally fine. I accepted the invitation to step into this role of vision and spiritual formation pastor because of what Fellowship Greenville is about. What Fellowship Greenville is about in our city, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. And I don't know if you know this or not, it may be new for some of you, Fellowship Greenville's reach is into all of those places. So as a new school year begins and different opportunities to serve this local body are being presented to you. Uh, last week was Next Gen Sunday and it was talked about this invitation for all of us to lean in and be a part of investing in the next generation. That can happen through Fellowship Kids, it can happen through the student ministry, it can happen in an array of ways. And I think there's a dinner this afternoon where people who wanna gather more information can come be a part of that. And I think already 100 people have signed up to come be a part of that, which I think is wonderful. Not just that though, like as you are extended the opportunity in the next couple of weeks to actually step into true biblical community here, not simply Sunday morning attendance, but that in this place you would find true friendship with others around life with Jesus. And as local and global gospel-centered service projects and ministry opportunities are celebrated, all that is happening will continue to happen. I wanted us to take this morning to be reminded of for many of us in the room, or maybe if you're newer with us to hear for the very first time of what we are about at Fellowship Greenville as a local church, why we 
do what we do. And in that, I think you'll get a better understanding of why I'm here doing what I do. Fellowship Greenville is a community of grace, passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus. Depending on how often you pay attention, listen in, observe, you might notice this as the mission statement of Fellowship Greenville. But it's not simply a statement because some churches have mission statements. There was not a meeting where the elders of fellowship got together and had a conversation that went kind of like this. Hey guys, have you noticed that some churches like have a mission statement? We should probably have a mission statement. What do you think the mission statement would be? I don't know, I think it needs to be hip and trendy, like something looks good on the website. There was none of that. It is an intentional, biblically convictional articulation of what we want to be known for and what we want to be about in this city and in our world. A community of grace, passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus. And again, what I want you to be reminded of today if you've been around for a little while or maybe here for the first time is that what we are about as a church family it actually rises from scripture. There is a big idea that runs through the whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is this simple yet profound fact. The God of the universe is on a mission of redemption. The creator is redeeming his created. The Bible is all about what is wrong with the world and what God has done and is doing about it in and through Jesus Christ. And so many of us who gather in this place today, we have actually been redeemed. At the end of the service today, we'll celebrate communion together to be reminded of this. But I don't want us to rush past it. Hang with me for a second. There's seven billion people that walk this planet. Seven billion. How amazing that so many of us in this room would be able to declare that we have a relationship with the God of this universe through his son, Jesus Christ. You have experienced his grace. We are a community of grace. One of the best definitions I ever heard of grace was years ago by Tim Keller. It's a pastor up in New York City, and I'm paraphrasing it a bit, but he said something along these lines. Grace is kindness or goodness given to someone or shown to someone who deserves the opposite of your kindness and goodness. It's expensive to the giver of the kindness and the goodness. It's shocking to those who are observing because they know you deserve the opposite of that. And it's traumatic to you because you know you deserve the opposite of the kindness and the goodness that is being shown to you. I love that definition. Fellowship Greenville is a community of grace. We have, those of us here, have been shown the goodness and the kindness of God through Jesus Christ. Expensive to God. Traumatic to us because we know we deserve the opposite of that. And because we've received it, his grace, we are a people who magnify it. We are a people who extend it 
We are known as a people here at Fellowship Greenville. We want to be known as a group of people who have experienced the kindness and the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. And so we extend it to others. We're a people who have been invited into life with Jesus, a community of grace, passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus. See, we're called into life with him. Like that's the invitation, right? Isn't that the invitation? The invitation from Jesus is what? Come follow me. That's the invitation. Come follow me. What parts of me should follow you? All of you, come follow me. What part of our lives are not following him? Come on, come follow me. And not only do we get to constantly learn from and walk with Jesus, but catch this. He desires to use us to make much of him and share with others what he is up to in saving and redeeming and reconciling. Like that actually is mind-blowing to me and I don't actually ever wanna get over it. Maybe I can say it this way. God's vehicle to accomplish his mission of redemption is you. It's me. It's us. It is this understanding that whatever God's gonna do in the world in redeeming a people to himself, he will do through all of us that have a relationship with him. We are called the church, big C, made up of a lot of little C congregations. Fellowship Greenville is one of those. You see, this is not about a few perceived spiritual superstars. It's not about, oh, you're the church staff. This is what you guys do. We like to give a little money every now and then so you guys do what you guys do. Nope. We, at Fellowship Greenville, we are a community of grace, passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus because he's actually on a mission. If I could be so bold, the only reason that you woke up today, one of two possible reasons. One, you don't have a relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ and he has extended to you because of his grace another opportunity to be in relationship with him. If you do know him, you have been given another day to extend and magnify the grace that you have received in and through Jesus Christ into your spheres of influence. That's it. So we can sing the songs and I pray what we sing. How much longer? When will you come? I'm praying that he comes back. I'm also praying that until he does come back, I will live with intentionality where he has put me. He hasn't come back because he's not through redeeming. That's it. When that time comes, when all of the people of this planet that say yes to a relationship with him have said yes to a relationship with him, then we're gonna get on with it and it's gonna be fantastic. But he's given us another day to either say yes to him or to live on mission with him where he has put us. The vehicle to accomplish his mission of redemption. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter five. And again, what we're discussing this morning, it's not my idea, not something I came up with, not something the elders of fellowship came up with. It's all over the pages of your Bible. One guy said it this way, I thought it was so good, Barry Jones, I believe he's a professor. He said, read your Bible as the missional story of the missional God forming a missional people to live missional lives. 
I love it. Read your Bible as the missional story of the missional God forming a missional people to live missional lives. As some of you would be aware, a guy by the name of Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote 1st and 2nd Corinthians. They were letters uh, written to Christians in the city of Corinth. Corinth was a pretty happening city. It was a trade center, major seaport. It was also filled with idolatry and immorality. Some might say that it would look like a modern day uh, Vegas or um, New Orleans at Mardi Gras time. Paul had actually planted a church there. He was a church planter. And uh, these Christ followers were walking through some difficult times. They were actually arguing and fighting about lots of things from diet to sex to worship. They were arguing and fighting about everything. And in the middle of this, you see this reminder from Paul that I think is so good in 2 Corinthians 5. He reminds them of God's mission and our part, their part, in God's mission. This is what I'll start reading in verse 17 of chapter 5. This is what it says, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Stop right there. Now this, this is incredible truth, right? Before we talk more about um, this invitation to join God and what he's up to in the world, we're reminded of what? Who we are. Who we are in him. Who we are in him impacts what we do. So if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have experienced the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ, you are a brand new creation. That is why sharing uh, that Jesus actually changes everything is so, is so true. It's complete transformation when you begin a relationship with God through Jesus. You aren't who you were. Uh, years and years ago, I, I read in one of my study Bibles about this verse, and I jotted it down, and I've kept it with me. It says this, you are not reformed or rehabilitated or re-educated. When you come to Jesus, you are recreated. You were dead, now you're alive. I don't wanna get ahead of ourselves because Ephesians starts next week and we're gonna be talking a little bit more about it. But we no longer see life like we used to see life, right? And there's not a piece of your life that is not altered when you are recreated. It wasn't that some of you was recreated and some of you wasn't recreated. When you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you were recreated. If you go all the way back to Genesis, Adam was the head of the old creation. Jesus is the head of the new creation. The old creation was plunged into sin and condemnation because of the disobedience of Adam. Sin has messed up everything. But new creation means righteousness and salvation because of the obedience of Jesus. Jesus restores everything that's broken. If you know Jesus, you are a new creation. And this is what Paul says in verse 18 after reminding them of that. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So a few things here. One, we see at the beginning of verse 18, these words, all of this is from God. 
God is the one doing it. This is what God is up to. The reason for Jesus coming, reconciliation, redeeming, the mission. People with the opportunity to be in relationship with God. A reconciliation or to reconcile, it means to restore to friendship or harmony. It means to make things right. And Jesus came to reconcile to himself all things. He, he came to heal the rift and to bridge the chasm between God and humanity. And the initiative in the reconciling was with God. All of this is from God. The New Testament um, never talks about God being reconciled to the world. It's always of the world being reconciled to God. And you might ask, like, why is that distinction important? I believe it's because there is this reminder of God's attitude towards us, an attitude of love for his creation. Uh, I could say it this way. It is this reminder that he made the first move to redeem, to reconcile, to restore the friendship. That is grace. It's goodness, it's kindness shown to someone who deserves the opposite of the goodness and kindness being shown to them. And it's traumatic to those of us that have received it because we know we deserve the opposite of the goodness and kindness he has shown to us in and through his son, Jesus Christ. You're no longer an enemy of God. Paul, who is writing this to the church at Corinth, you might recall, was also known as Saul. He had a reputation of arresting people that loved Jesus. He had overseen people that were killed, that loved Jesus. And then as he walked down the road one day in Damascus, Jesus got his attention, yeah? And Jesus said, hey Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why is Paul reminding the church of Corinth that all of this is from God? Because Paul remembers that God made the first move in bridging the chasm between himself and Jesus. So it's just a reminder for us this morning. Community of grace isn't something we say just because we, we need to say something and grace is kind of good, so let's talk about grace. We are a group of people here who declare and remember seven billion people. We declare and remember that God made the first move in us coming to him. And that actually does change everything. I have to convince you about life and mission, what other response is there other than here's my life and I'll live on mission with you? What other response could there be? 
from those of us that have actually received and experienced his grace. Verse 18, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So it's right there, right? Like you, you get that I'm not trying to make it say something that it doesn't say. <laughs> what is God's plan to accomplish his mission of redemption and reconciliation? It's the church. Given to us, given to you, given to me, the message and the ministry of reconciliation is you and I letting the people that God has placed around us know that God has reconciled the world to himself, so be reconciled to God. I brought you into a relationship with me, so be my representation in the places that I have put you. For how long? Till I come back. When are you coming back? You can cry out for me to come back and I do hear those cries. I'm still redeeming people. We are, and I love the language Paul uses, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. An ambassador, as many of you would know, is an official representative on behalf of one country to another. And I know that you probably know this, but I'll just say like Paul knows to the group to which he is writing, right? Being led by the Holy Spirit. He knows what he's writing when he writes what he writes, right? It's on purpose. So the Roman Empire, there were two kinds of provinces. There were senatorial provinces, which were made up of people who were peaceful. They weren't at war with Rome. They had surrendered, they had submitted. But then there were also imperial provinces. They were not peaceful. They were dangerous because they would rebel against Rome if they got that chance. And so Rome would send in ambassadors to the imperial provinces to make sure rebellion didn't break out. I think Paul knows what he's doing when he uses the language that he uses because he's being led by the Holy Spirit. You could look at it this way. Paul using these words says, hey, followers of Jesus in Corinth, the world is in rebellion against God. It's a uh, imperial province, so to speak, as far as God's concerned. So he has sent us as ambassadors into the world to declare what? To declare peace. To declare, be reconciled to God. And contrary to some people's perspective and opinions, and regardless of how some of you are currently walking through this season of life, God has not declared war on this world. At the cross, he declared peace. At the cross, he declared relationship is possible. Reconciliation is available. To my created, come be in relationship with your creator. So with this passion, I think we hear Paul, you read these words as Paul, I think, feels them and senses them as he writes the church at Corinth, right? Hey, the ministry and the message of reconciliation, that's what you take with you every day, everywhere you go. Well, what is that message? Well, I think Paul lays it out for us right here. We implore you, here's the message. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin 
so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. What is that? It's grace. It's goodness and kindness to those of us that deserve the opposite. And we know we deserve the opposite. It's everyone with the chance to see and hear that Jesus and the gospel actually do alter all of life. And the question we can ask ourselves, which I think is a legitimate question, is this. Are we living with that kind of intentionality? Are we living it? Are we articulating it as the Lord opens up those doors? Are we, do we see ourselves as we wake up today, as we wake up tomorrow, another day? I'm an ambassador. I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Where? Wherever you go. Where are you going? Where are you going Monday? Like, I know you might need milk, but you're an ambassador who who needs some milk. And there's a difference in regards to living in intentionality, yeah? In our world, in this city, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, given to us, so kind of him, the ministry and the message of reconciliation to articulate and live out in front of other people. This is the call of the church. Fellowship Greenville is a community of grace, passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus. It's not whimsical. It's not because we needed to come up with a mission statement. It's not that we think that it's real catchy. It's a biblical conviction of why we do what we do where we do it for as long as he wants us to do it. And if you'll notice in the passage, there's no like qualifiers, right? Paul doesn't say, but really I'm just talking to those of you that have the gift of evangelism. Or, but this is really for those of you who have pretty outgoing personalities. The rest of you, I get it, you don't like talking. You're fine. No, none of that's there. As a matter of fact, he goes even, I think it's, it's kind of, it's very to the point. Can we keep going into chapter six? Cause he just kind of keeps rolling here. This is what it says. Working together with him then. So y'all, we were working together with him. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Hey, oh. And then Paul, he recalls something God said back in Isaiah. For he says, in favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Look what, it's really crazy, right? Look what Paul says. If you and I as followers of Jesus are unwilling to get in on the mission of God, then that means we are receiving the goodness and the grace of God in vain. Paul gives them this reminder. God says, don't forget his goodness, his kindness, his grace that led him to hear you when you cried out for a savior. When he made that first move towards you, I heard you when you cried out for a relationship with the living God and now is the day of salvation for others. When? Today? He's still redeeming. And God in his kindness and grace will give us glimpses of this, right? Like some of you could share stories. Some of you would share your own story and coming to know Jesus is because a neighbor or a coworker, a parent, a kid, like somebody was intentional with you. 
Think about who that was. Think about this. All of us in this room, the vast majority of us in this room watching online, we came to know Jesus because someone lived, someone did this. Who did this for you? Who was that ambassador? Who lived the ministry of reconciliation in front of you and articulated the message? I love it at times how he puts these reminders in our pathway of what it is that he's up to. Uh, Several years ago now, my wife and I had moved into a new neighborhood and we're kind of praying for the people of our neighborhood. But I had just started Summit. Summit Church wasn't that old. And uh, there was a young lady who was a part of my youth group here at Fellowship Greenville when I was student ministry pastor. And she had moved off to New York City. And um, she had started dating a guy in New York and she was coming back to visit her family. And so this guy was coming with her that she was dating. And uh, the way she tells the story is uh, we were gonna come back and you had started the church since I left and went to New York. And so I told him, I said that we were gonna go to church. I wanna visit your, your new church that you had planted. And this guy said to her, well, I don't, I don't do church. And then she said to him, well, you're dating me. So now you, you do do church, which is great. And she would tell me later, I still remember the Sunday they walked in, she would tell me later that walking in, like his hands were shaking a little bit as he walked in the door, which is just a side note, this isn't the point of the story. It is this reminder, yeah? For those of us that are a community of grace, what we've experienced, that doesn't mean that everybody who's walking in here has experienced what we've experienced. That some people's background, some people's church background's painful and it's really hard. So I just think that's a reminder for those of us of being a community of grace that we're thinking through that as we interact with people and love on people. Yes, yes. Okay, so after the service is over, they sat over here to my right. And after the service is over, they came up and Nick, is his name, Nick introduced himself. He said, hey, my name is Nick, dating Laura. And uh, I loved his boldness and his frankness. He goes, I don't have a relationship with God and I'm not really interested in the church but I'm intrigued by what you were talking about today. And if this is relationship with God and church, I kind of just want to ask you some questions about it. So can we become friends on Facebook and I'll ask you some questions? And I said, no. So, okay, good, no, it's good. I just want to make sure people pay attention. I said, yeah, sure, that'd be fine. And so to speed up the story, over the course of uh, years, actually, he would, he would listen in, he'd listen to message. We would write back and forth on social media, which is a really great way to be able to communicate. And over a series of years, they got engaged, they got married, Nick came to faith in Jesus. And they found a, a church there in New Jersey that they were a part of. And I got a message one day on Facebook and it was from Nick, the, the private message. And it just said, hey, I'm getting baptized this weekend. And I'm so excited and uh, my mom's gonna be there. Her name's Patty and she doesn't go to church and she doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. So would you just pray for her? So I start praying for this lady by the name of Patty. And over time, uh, Nick and Laura would still come down to visit Laura's family here in South Carolina, even though they were still living up north. And Nick's an only child. And so Patty would come down as well, just kind of visit, you know, whenever they were coming down. <clears throat> so I met her, I seen her once or twice at church. And, one Sunday after the service, she goes, I love it down here. I go, you do? She goes, yes. And I said, where do you live? And she's like, I'm kind of in New York City. And I was like, well, that makes sense. But then I said, I'm kidding, that's a joke. Are you it's totally fine. Then I said, she said, I'm retirement age. I think I'm gonna move down here 
when I retire. I was like, oh, that's great. She said, as a matter of fact, today I'm gonna go look at houses. I go, okay, well, that's great. We'd love to have you here in South Carolina, along with everybody else that's moving here. And uh, <clears throat> so my wife and I, like I said, had just recently moved into a new neighborhood, which is a whole nother story in and of itself. Because previously we had had our house for sale and it was for sale for like 10 months and nobody made any offers on our house, like nothing. Like nothing, not, not even an offensive offer. Like no one even said, I'll give you five bucks, like nothing. <clears throat> and so we had prayed about it and this is actually, so I'm not trying to over-spiritualize anything. This is how my wife and I are trying to process, well, maybe we're not done in the neighborhood. Maybe the Lord has more for us to do. Maybe we're still on mission here doing some other things. And so we took the sign out of the yard and told our realtor that we're not selling it. And then a couple of days later, this guy just pulls up in front of my house while I'm power washing my house. Cause I was gonna, you know, if I'm gonna stay here, let's do a little something. And this guy pulls up and he gets out of his car and he goes, is this house for sale? And I go, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> just a random guy, is your house for sale? I mean, it was, and then it's not, but maybe it is if you're just driving up and asking me about it, maybe this is what God's doing. So we sold our house pretty quickly and uh, so we needed a place to go. And so we had just moved into this neighborhood. We'd only been there a little time. So that day, Patty, that Sunday afternoon, Patty gets in her car with Realtor. Now, we know this realtor, but this realtor does not know that I know Patty, and Patty doesn't know that I need this realtor, know this realtor. They're just driving around. And the realtor pulls into our neighborhood and says, this is a newer neighborhood, they sell lots, few lots, and we just, our neighborhood's a small neighborhood. It's like 20 houses, two cul-de-sacs, it's wonderful, I love it that way, not a lot of through traffic. Anyway, she goes, this house right here, actually, our realtor, the realtor says, this house right here, I just sold it to a, a pastor here in town, him and his family, and Patty says, would it happen to be Jason Malone over at Summit Church? And the realtor was like, well, yes, it would. And then she says, I want this lot right here. And she buys the lot right there. And the next time I see her, she goes, I don't wanna freak you out, but you know, I'm gonna retire and I'm gonna move down here. I bought the lot right beside you. I said, well, you're freaking me out a little bit, Patty. So all that to say, uh, she starts coming to church some and we're praying for our neighbors and that sort of thing. And so one day I'm driving out of the neighborhood to go to work and she is out uh, sweeping her driveway, which side note, from what I can tell so far, this is what retired people do. I'm really excited about it. They basically just sweep their driveway. And I love to sweep. I've got several brooms. I can't wait to use them. Anyway, she's sweeping her driveway and she kind of waves me down. And I roll down my window and she said, uh, this was great. She walked right up and she goes, I know you're talking about me. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes on Facebook, I know you're talking about me. And I said, I didn't know, I didn't know you were on Facebook. She goes, I'm not, but I know what my son's password is and I hack in sometimes. <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell him, don't tell him. Okay. She said, uh, <clears throat> she goes, I saw what you posted a couple of hours ago on there. I go, what did I post? You posted that people who follow Jesus should be intentional about praying for their neighbors by name, that they would come to know Jesus. I know you're talking about me. And I said, well, yes, but there's more than just you, so is that an okay thing? And she kind of smiled and she said, well, you just, you just keep praying. I said, okay. Fast forward, next spring, Easter Sunday, Patty gives her life to Jesus, 63 years old. <clears throat> 
gives her life to Jesus. The next month we're having a baptism. She wants to get dunked. Her son, Nick, didn't tell her he was showing up. He flies into town for Patty's baptism. Now I share stories like that because those are the kinds of reminders that I need because that story actually doesn't, I know it's the story that I'm telling about my neighborhood and my neighbors. That story is not about Jason. It's about a God who's calling people to himself and he'll take them from states away. And put them in the house beside you. Is your God that with it? Is your God that sovereign? That where you live and do life every day, you take the message, the hope of the gospel with you. Now I think there's a temptation, I'll be done. I think there's a temptation to listen to a message like this. I know this past summer we did a a word series here in evangelism, some of that was even talked about. There's a temptation, I think, to listen to a message like this and then in your mind, go here. Uh, Jason, you're right. I need, to tr- I need to try harder to do better, to be more intentional when it comes to sharing how Jesus changes all of life. But I want, I know this is one of my first Sundays here with you, but you're gonna hear this from me a lot. And I know you hear it from Charlie and I know you hear it from Jim and others as well. Try harder to do better is a horrible theology that will wreck your life, okay? This isn't try harder. There actually is a lasting motivation for intentional life change for you and for me It's called the gospel. It is God's grace towards us that motivates us to grow and change, to passionately pursue life and mission with Jesus. And Paul, Paul does this all, Paul talks about this all the time if we pay attention. Like it's all over the pages of the New Testament, this gospel motivation thing. Look back, go back to chapter five real quick. Back to chapter five, because it's in here. It's actually in here, I wanna point it out to you. Chapter five, verse 14, it says this. So even before he gets to the new creation part, this is what he says. For the love of Christ controls, some of your Bibles will say compels. For the love of Christ controls, compels us. That's the motivation. His love towards us compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Jesus. Therefore, all have died, us. And he who died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's 
That's the peace. That's the gospel motivation peace. His love compels us. His love controls us, yes? It is what he has already done for us in and through Jesus Christ that compels us to live on mission with him in the places that he's put us. That you and I are so in love with Jesus because of his deep love for us that you no longer live for yourself. It's not about you, it's not about me. It's about his mission in the places that he has put us. For how long? Until he comes back or until he calls us home? Fellowship Greenville is a community of grace, passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus. Most of you aren't here at fellowship because you couldn't find another option for church. Most of you aren't here because this just happens to be the church that is closest to your home. Most of you are here because of what you have experienced in this community of grace. It might be how the Bible is taught or how you have connected with people who genuinely love you and care for you and love your family. But for so many here today, our mission as a church has impacted you. And the call to all of us is to continue to live into that. If you haven't been living into that, to join that, not try harder to do better. The love of Christ compelling you to join the church and the call of the church. Big C, made up of a lot of little C congregations. Maybe I can say it this way. Well, Bob Roberts said it this way. I thought it was really good. A church built around the mission of Jesus is very different from a church built around the Sunday event. Now, this might be overly simplistic, but I want to give it a whirl. Hmm. We are a church on mission when we are living on mission. When you live on mission, when I live on mission, when we leave this place and we live on mission in the place that God has put us, we are then a church on mission. Without each of us being compelled by the love and grace of God towards us through Jesus, without each of us living on mission, we are not a church on mission. So if the vast majority of this place actually does just consider themselves a part of the church when they walk in here for an hour and a half on Sunday, then we're actually not being the church. We're doing church. And I speak for the staff team that I've been a part of for 13 days, a decade in 13 days. None of us are interested in leading just to do church. I want you to know that. We desire to be on mission with you. And we are on mission when we are on mission. So that's my role, <laughs> along with the team, not just me, to keep the mission at the forefront. Not just to keep it at the forefront, but in this new season that we're stepping into, to multiply it. And because those of us in leadership here realize this, we've been praying and thinking and strategizing about how to continue to multiply and influence this geography where we think God and his kindness has put us, right? Upstate, 10 counties, 1.5 million people, 80% unchurched, 80% unchurched. I love right here, I live right here. You wanna know where else I love? Gaffney. You wanna know where else I love? Wahala. You wanna know where else I love? Easley. You know where else I love? Spartanburg. You wanna know where else I love? Lawrence. I'm not Greenwood, oh, okay, you get it. The whole area. And there is something really cool about driving around the geography that is the upstate of South Carolina and realizing there are people who are living in this geography that I'm driving in and through that are living on mission, yeah? There's something about that, intentionality. 
When it comes to multiplication, the intentionality behind the multiplication, the intentionality and the investment of those of you that call Fellowship Greenville home, we are gonna be launching in January of 2022, the Upstate Church Collective in partnership with Summit Church. This is part of what Charlie and I both articulated back in April at Fellowship and at Summit. We want to encourage and equip church leaders in the character and the competency for faithful, lifelong ministry. We want to continue to put churches all across the upstate that are made up of a people full of grace because they've experienced grace, who are passionately pursuing life and mission with Jesus. So we're gonna focus on growing and developing leaders even internally here. Part of my job description, you know, is vision. There's this spiritual formation piece. But what we all begin to grow and grow, grow and understand is that our spiritual formation has everything to do with putting the gospel on display where God has put us, yes? My life change, that sanctification, yeah? That is actually a piece of putting the gospel on display. That is a piece of this ministry and message of reconciliation for a world to see and observe. And we're gonna move towards planting more churches with the same mission and the same heartbeat. As you leave today, you're gonna get a card that looked like what just popped up on the screen. Take that card with you. There's a little QR code. You can hit that QR code and it'll take you to our brand new Upstate Collective website. It just went live uh, here in the last day or two. And on that website, you can read even more about what we are about, what we are gonna be doing, practical ways that we can join in on that. See, today I really wanted to cast the vision for the mission of God in the world how Fellowship Greenville has thought and processed through that, how the collective actually fits into that. Because without, without an understanding of the mission of God, the Upstate Collective could be seen as just a program that Fellowship's doing. It's just something out there for people that are interested in that sort of thing. And my hope and my prayer today is that we've actually been able to see, no, no, this actually fits into this. And it is where we are headed. Because today is the day of salvation for someone. And today we are Christ's ambassadors. His love that he has shown us through Jesus compels us to share with others who Jesus is and how the gospel changes all of life. I couldn't think of a better way, it was on the calendar, I couldn't think of a better way to conclude our time together today than celebrating what actually does bind us together as a community of grace. Take communion together to remember his kindness and goodness shown to us that we do not deserve. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, you're welcome to take communion with us. The instruments are gonna play for a moment and some scripture's gonna be on the screens. I believe passages from Ephesians that we're jumping into, like I've said, next Sunday. And while the instruments are playing and that scripture's scrolling, you can go to the back and pick up the elements if you weren't able to get those on your way in. 
And then after one song that we sing together, we'll take the elements together. Would you pray with me? Father God, for the opportunity to gather here today, as a community of grace, we thank you. Yeah. A group of people that have experienced your kindness and goodness in and through Jesus. And we, uh, we are well aware that what we deserved was the opposite. And I pray that it would be your love that you have shown us that compels us to live on mission with you. That in your kindness, your Holy Spirit would remind each of us tomorrow morning before our feet hit the floor that we are your ambassadors. Given the ministry and the message of reconciliation and it is not a burden. It is not a chore, it's our joy. because of what we've experienced with you. And I know there are some here today and they're weary. They might've been praying for a long time for a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad, a good friend, a coworker, a neighbor that doesn't know you, they've prayed. They've prayed by name for those folks. And maybe they're a little tired, maybe they're a little weary. I pray even through this reminder this morning that they would continue to be intentional. Intentional with people that are close to them but far from you. And would you be so kind as to let some of those folks that have been praying, would you let them see that today is the day of salvation for someone close to them? And would you forgive us for running off and making our passion other things? For some of us, if we're honest, we can't say that we've been passionately pursuing life and mission with you. If we're honest, some of us would have to say we've been passionately pursuing other things. For some of us, we've been passionately pursuing the, the hot take on social media. We've been passionately pursuing wanting to be right 
our opinion. May we lean into what we have experienced. Grace. And may it, uh, may it impact our circles of influence for your glory and for your fame. Amen.